Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. We are on episode number 41. I am one of your hosts, Tom. And somewhere in the wilds of Illinois is Neil. Say hello, Neil. Wilds of Illinois. Not too wild. It's, you know, kind of suburban, to tell you the truth, except for the Really? Deals. I see people walking around with masks all over the place. Seems well, pretty wild. And... <laughs> yeah, we could be in Bangalore, so, for God's so, sakes. So with, this is actually, so we're going to continue with uh, this fun series that we've been working on, which is essentially me talking to, like, all my favorite musicians for 20-plus years ago. Because <laughs> all mine are dead. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you're all dead. Yeah. But we have with us today Joe King, Joe Queer of the Mighty Queers. How you doing, Joe? Excellencio. Hey man, Glad we appreciate here. you. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, especially considering you were in the middle of something that some of us never thought would actually happen. You're making a brand new record. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a little weird because I'm here at my I've got a studio in my house, so I'm working, we're doing most of it here. And usually when you make an album, you've got you know, people coming in and out. That's the fun part of making an album is your pals are there and you're laughing about fart jokes and all this stuff. And so oh, yeah. I've been doing it all by myself. So any distraction today, I got to mow the lawn. I'm like, it's great because <laughs> you got to get away from it. I'm like so invested in this thing that I'm like, oh, I got to take a break. So this is this is a welcome little interlude for me. So well, that's awesome. So you're so doing the whole thing yourself? Well, no, I mean. Hoglog, the drummer, came up, and then Cheeto was doing the bass, right, and right. Um, we've had a little help, but I've I've had to because of this virus thing farm out stuff. So I'm sending songs here and there, and um, so anyway, we're we're getting there, we're getting there, but it's so, taken a while. That was actually one one of the things I was going to ask you is who you're working with this time. So these guys, these guys have tour been touring with you. Did they record? Were, were they with you on the last couple albums, which the re-recorded albums, or is this a different group? Yeah, um, Hoglog, Alex, the drummer from Teenage Rehab. Yeah, he was there on Back to the Basement, which okay. was ten years ago, and yep. then um, his yeah, he was on Beyond the Valley reissue and Punk Rock Confidential. Okay, and he's on this one, so he's been sticking or kicking around for you know at least ten years. So, so so how far in the process are we on this thing? Well, you know, we demoed, started out demoing it, and then it sort of, I sent it out to a couple of studio pals, and they're like, I, I think it sounds great. What are you, why are you treating this as a demo? So we've kind of just, I've been putting guitars on it. We still might re-record a song or two, but I think it's, um, it's pretty much, you know, good to go, and we'll get it mixed. So we you know, went from making demos to, gee, I think it's good enough to be the album. So, um, you know, I, I I just like to keep it punk. I know people have suggested using this producer or this guy, but I, with the queers, I just like punk. My favorite albums were like the Ramones' Leave Home and Black Flag Damaged. And um, I just think if we got a producer messing around with it, we'd get further away from what it's all about, which is just a queers punk rock album. So, um, so anyway, yeah, we're, we're just, we're, I don't know, we're getting there. We're down to back vocals and hand claps and shit like that pretty much now. So that's cool. So are, you, are you looking at a date or are we not that far along yet? No, cause I've got to, I've got to get the, all the files back together and make sure all the parts are good and edit the thing together. And then, 
talk to the label. So no, no date yet. But I mean, in this day and age, what are we going to do? We're just going to release it's the damn true. thing online. So I mean, as soon as it's done and mastered, I guess we can release it, right? We don't have to wait till you know, a Christmas release or anything, because we're all going to be sitting in the house, I well, guess. Well, so. you know, your buddy just did that, and maybe we'll have time to talk about that later, actually. It's kind of interesting how that works, right? But So I kind of assumed you were putting it out yourself, because you, you're running your own label now, essentially, right? Well, it's a subsidiary of Asian Man, but yeah. All oh, oh of Asian Man, so. okay. Yeah, okay. so uh, that's what's going on. And in Europe, I think we're going to go with Striped Records. The Manges are good buddies there. They've okay, got a yeah, yeah. So you know, I think we're you know, doing that in Europe. It's funny because I remember talking to you years ago at a show. I don't remember where it was at Max and Lansing or something. You remember, you remember Max and Lansing or like any of those clubs? I don't know. You've seen them all over the years. But I remember you saying Asian Man is the greatest label I've ever worked for. I'll never leave Asian Man. Then I saw he's starting his own label. The li guy lied to me, man. He said, <laughs> but I didn't realize I actually didn't realize that you were on that it was a subsidiary of Asian Man. That's cool. Yeah. A lot of the bands are really left wing or i mean i'll throw left wing so of course yeah. you know some of them just hate my guts because they yeah. don't even know me so whatever so we said you know what let's just do this it's all good our records sell so um yeah but that's what's going on anyway max yeah i remember lansing the place in lansing yeah you loaded in from the back door there i remember yeah. that place well yeah. i just remember last time you played it now this is quite a few years ago now but the ataris were supposed to show what you were touring with the ataris and their van broke down or something but eh, it doesn't matter oh been, yeah Many yeah. many show, many many shows over the years, um, so I don't, I don't. I actually, man, I want to get into what you were just talking about, but let's stick with the new record for just a little bit, just because I'm I'm so curious about it because it has been ten years. How many um, how many songs have, are we looking at? Uh, um, got a name picked out yet? Or are we not Are we not that far along? Yeah, I've got the name, but I don't want to say it quite yet till we get all our ducks in a row with a mix gotcha. and shit. So. Um... Not to be a, a dick. No, no, that's, afraid, right, that's all right. I'm Steal our exclusive. Steal yeah. our exclusive. No, that's good. Cool. But it, uh, if, you know, as soon as I mention it, some asshole in some little band will come out with yep. use it, steal my album name and all that or song titles and so unfortunately ah, I, I, gotcha. I want to wait and that's the only reason. If you want to hit me up in two weeks, I'll be glad to give you an exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> but when we're further along. Sure. So yeah. is, Did you record it, a bunch of songs or, or what? Uh, I think we did 17 or 18, so we'll probably use 13 or 14 on the album, something like that. Do some singles or something, do some sevens. Splits, so, yeah, splits and comps and, and shit like that, yeah, so your exactly. La your last two kind of studio, uh, your last two proper studio albums, not counting the, the remakes, were, of course, Monkey Brain and Back to the Basement. Now, Monkey Brain was definitely, uh you know, kind of had more of a Beach Boys, definitely more of a pop vibe, while Back to the Basement was definitely more of a punk rock banger, no question about it. You had the Black Flag cover, it was just nasty, raunchy songs. Where does this where does this record fall on this on the kind of as the pendulum swings between those two extremes? Uh probably it's somewhere between Don't Back Down and Love Songs. I'm hmm. I'm feeling yeah, wow. more like like the old stuff. Um so back to the basement, really, we were talking about that this weekend. We were doing redoing drums and really our pal Shelby had the studio and it wasn't together gear wise. He didn't have all the mics. And so it really should have been treated as a demo. And um, we didn't have a vocal in the compressor. And it just the guy Shelby is an excellent engineer producer. But at the time, it just we should have treated it as a as a demo. Um, so unfortunately, we're actually redoing one song off that album because I like it so much called, excuse me, Pull Me Out of It. Oh, yeah. So 
but um that uh yeah that that was punk but it didn't come out as good as it should have because we really needed to go to a better studio but it is what it is huh i love that album well, so okay, but you're so you're going back to the classic '90s sound. That that's great. I mean, I I don't think anybody will be disappointed to hear that. So yeah. let's uh let's throw a song in real quick, Neil. Let's, okay, what do you want? See now I now I'm regretting that I didn't I didn't write down what we what we should play. But let's uh well I've I mean I've got one, but I thought you were just going to come up with some off the top of your head there, buddy boy. Well, what are you doing? Man, I love that Love Songs album so much, which is like 27 years old now or something, something crazy <laughs> like that. Yeah. But let's do something off that. Let's do uh, oh, let's do a guilty pleasure of mine. One of my favorite. One of my favorites. Ursula finally has tits. Oh boy. Okay. Sure. Ursula Part of the Fine. great queers tit trilogy. Yes. <laughs> the, the tit. The first song of the tit trilogy. Titigy. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so this is Ursula finally has tits from Love Songs from the Retarded. Ursula finally has tits from uh, from the queers. Because damn it, we're excited, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. There you go, buddy. So, so you know, so for the last, so it has been ten. You're saying it's been ten years since your last studio album, which is crazy because you were always pretty productive. Every 
couple, three years, it seems he's, like you're putting on a new he's, album. He's turned into Mike Ness. Look at him. Yeah, everybody's turned into Mike Ness. Yeah, Canelo. <laughs> What's going on? Are you going yeah. in, Are you going into the crowd to throw fists now, too? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, no. I haven't done that. I don't dare to. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, didn't, what? Did, what was that thing about Mike Ness? I heard that, but it's kind of a blur. What, he went into the... Crowd you saw somebody wearing wearing a MAGA hat, or no, maybe no, not. Some, no, some, somebody was flipping him right off. Somebody was flipping oh, him, him off, off, I guess, for like five minutes or something. So Mike had had enough and jumped down there and did his, see, that's, did his business. See, that's when you're too big of a star because that means he has lawyers on retainer that he can afford to jump into the crowd and start punching people. So <laughs> Joe doesn't Joe doesn't have any lawyers on retainer. He's not doing that. Well, Ness, um, Ness, you know, it's kind of an empty thing because he's five foot nothing anyway. Yeah, so, I know. He's a, you know, and he knows, dude, but he's pretty beefy still. He's got his little buddies out there in the crowd, so he knows he's people have his back rather than him yeah. jumping in there. So um, anyway, yeah. yeah, it's 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 you know, come on, it's it's he's not. Pl- worth he's playing at the House of Blues. He's not playing at the bar where there's literally the bouncer and the bartender are the same person, and Dude, that's, that's the true. only security in the place. You know, yeah, that's, oh, that's fuck, true. man. You know, I remember it was a weird story, but we were this guy OD'd from one of the opening bands, cute left, <laughs> so. I mean, it's it really it's already a, off to a good start. It it was it's really kind of a sad thing. But anyway, the kid died. So the next night, the tour broke up, but we played Detroit. So I get up on stage, and the poor kid who died, his family, or you know, had no money, and so we were trying to raise money to send his body home. The kid was oh. only twenty four, so it's kind of oh sad. So. So I get up there and the place is packed, if not sold out. It was at Magic Stick. And um, I said, hey, guys, thank you to the local bands for showing up. And, you know, this kid OD'd and died and last night and he's only 24 and his family has no money. So can we, you know, we're taking donations at the merch table and everybody was listening. You could hear a pin drop and some asshole from the back of the room yells out, shut the fuck up, <laughs> right in the middle of it. And I was like, oh, my fucking word, man. So um, anyway, uh, I mouthed off to the guy and I said, well, no, why don't you shut the fuck up? And, you know, all of a sudden I saw some general movement about 12 or to 15 people coming up towards the stage and it was like you know you piss off this guy you, you have to fight the whole trailer oh, park Detroit's and so and it was like turned into a little mini brawl there for a second and i was like oh my god so i don't really go out in the crowd looking for trouble <laughs> it's it's funny to go down a quick rabbit hole here because i was trying to think the last time i actually saw you guys and it might have been max or it might have been but but I, you guys played at the there was only two of them ever but at the second tesco fest in Detroit, and it was in that same room. It was at the Magic Stick? Yeah, yeah, Tesco Fest. That was great. Yeah, Tesco that was a, that I was great. That. Uh, when yeah. when uh, are we talking? Uh, was that was that just a few years ago, or what? How long uh, ago? Maybe eleven or twelve. Oh shit, there. Some, something like that. It was a while ago. Yeah, I mean, what? it was great. I always joke about the Meat Men when we first heard them, but they were a huge, huge influence on us. Crippled Children really? suck. Excellent, yes. excellent. And yeah. they had that album out, and they had got it out, and it was really, really uh, empowering. Black Flag and Meat Man, yeah, we thought we loved them. Of course, yeah, oh. we loved it. The irreverence and everything, we just loved it. So, yeah. So me, me being from Grand Rapids and them being from Lansing, they were almost not quite local, but you know, when they got back together, I was able to see them. Oh, I don't know, eight or ten times. It was, it was, yeah, it yeah. was pretty cool. I only saw them one time during their original run, but. Um, yeah, and and you know he's, I think ultimately the Meat Men were a victim of political correctness too because 
you know, Tesco Beat was a liberal guy politically. Yeah. But he had written yeah. these songs 30 years ago making fun of gay people or whatever, and they just they, the crowd turned on him. And I don't know that that's what happened. You know, he's in his, he's in his 60s now. He might not want to do this anymore. But I, I, I always thought that they deserved a better ending because, man, they were good. They were even oh, oh, even yeah. at huge, the end, huge. their live shows, their live shows were great. He still had all the costumes and everything with the Dutch, the Dutch Hercules, the Dutch, Dutch Liberace, more like. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude had a show for had a flair for showmanship. Every time I seen them and it's been a few years, we had done another show with them down in Boston. Cheetah Chrome was there, Cambridge, oh, cool. Middle East downstairs. But oh, I've never saw them do a bad show, but they were I joke about I would say, Oh, when we heard the Meat Men, we didn't have a band and we knew we were better than that. But I told <laughs> Tess, I said I'm just joking around because they were a huge, huge influence, Crippled Children Suck, that the early Meat Men. Well, the Meat Men and you said a great thing. album. Yeah, it's a great yeah, album. Yeah, yes, and it, just the irreverence, and so that was a huge influence on us. But I never saw them do a bad show, never. So, uh, at what point did punk rockers lose their sense of humor? I've it was, can't, it I can't fucking about, figure it out. It was somewhere. <laughs> Twenty years ago. <laughs> no, it was somewhere like when the Warped Tour get going and bands like Good Charlotte came along. But it was after that, and then. You know, can you imagine doing an album called Love Songs for the Retarded now? I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, nobody... The the great thing about the Meat Men and Black Flag and Dead Kennedys was that they had a sense of fucking humor and they were yeah. goofing about themselves, number one. Yeah. And and now it's like, you know, nobody gets the joke. We're all so woke that we, um, you know, we're appalled if someone calls a girl the C-word or the N-word. I'm like, Dude. I've been called the N-word, the C-word, and every other damn word. You know, Neil's, it's like, Neil's it doesn't British. bother me. Yeah, he's, British. he's very he's very comfortable with the c word. I so. use that every other word. But what it's I was going to say, I was I was actually going through your right. your catalog a little bit today, and what was the the oh some of those songs from like Beyond the Valley at the end. Well, we Ooh. weren't getting paid by the label, so we had just well, just say cunt and then something else kind of got my cunts a cunt or something but yeah, yeah. So we just and wimpy was and of course houses. those are like wimpy was perfect for those songs you know yeah well yeah. i was um, I, I was i was going to talk about that a second because it, it just touched the nerve with the whole warp tour thing i mean that just yeah. goes back to the to the shit that dickies got into which is uh, the most ridiculous thing in the whole fucking world because the, the dickies most wholesome band on the face of the earth well they've been doing yeah. it for 45 fucking years so they don't need to have someone that's been in the scene for like six months Tell them Don't the get Dickies, me all riled up here. Dude. What they can do uh, and what they can't do. Yeah, exactly. The Dickies, Leonard and Stan are fucking gods. You can yep. hey, we go on, we play with them quite a bit lately the past few years. I just was yeah. texting Stan. I talked to their drummer Adam the other day. And so, I mean, for me, you're talking to a guy like I think I was living in the Lower East Side, working in Union Square in 1979. And my roommate Michael got this gigantor seven inch somewhere right whenever that came out i was living in new york city and it was like to think yeah. That I'm, yeah when to think that i'm friends with those guys now i mean they were gods in my book yep. gods and still are so but there's a band that i'll be backstage and um watching those guys and i'll just listen to them mike park uh, and i were talking at, at bottom of the hill when we were listening to him he goes it sounds like the album and i said yep they sound that fucking good they're as good as back in the day at their legendary shows back in the late 70s. I mean, it's amazing how good they are. The, the only thing that makes you a little sad is seeing them over the years when, you know, I saw them in the 90s and they had three or four, like, prime guys. And then all of a sudden Chuck Wagon's not touring with them anymore. And then, you know, now it's down to basically the two guys. So that kind of that's kind of a bummer. But, you know, man, well, they, they are. Chuck Wagon died, didn't he? He died oh, a Chuck long Wagon time. Chuck Wagon died? Yeah. 
died a long time ago, didn't he? Those other guys died. Yes, they lost. A lot of those guys dropped dead. All right. Yes. I'm out of it. That was before yeah. we had the internet and everybody told us what was going on. <laughs> However, <laughs> I will tell you guys, though, I mean, I'm like everybody else. You know, I get in the quiz. Oh, B-Face and Hugh. I'll be on. You know, I miss those guys hanging out with them. But to be honest, we are light years ahead of that fucking lineup with B-Face and Hugh. But music, music oh, light years ahead of that yeah. fucking. We are light years ahead. I mean, we should be because I've been playing for 30 years. It's no knock on those guys. But as far as good shows, you know, people get nostalgic because of the lineups. But this lineup of the Dickies, I mean, you go see them. And I am telling you guys, as a Dickies fan, sure, I'd like to see Chuck Wagon and all that shit. But he's not here. But those guys are doing the music justice. Adam Gomez, Gogo on drums. Eddie Tatter on bass. I mean, Ben on... Ben on uh, guitar, they are fucking tight. I'm no, they're great. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't knocking them musically at all. Yeah. No, so, I, yeah. I, so, I, I, I actually saw a show of theirs on YouTube at recent. It was like over the last couple months, and they mm, it was at a uh, it was a small club in LA or something. And you're right, they sounded fucking amazing. So, it was just yeah, like the record. Yeah. I mean, crazy, yes, yes, crazy good. Yes, it, it really is. And you know, one thing I've learned from them because we opened up for them, and so. A few nights, yes, out of touring with them quite a bit the past three years. A few nights we've more than held our own. We almost did better than them, you know. But it's hard, but it makes us play better because so many punk bands, like the Queers or Weasel or whoever, we play too fucking fast. We get hyped up and our songs yeah. are twice as fast as the album. But the Dickies, yep. they don't do that. Their songs, their energy and power has nothing to do with playing a million miles an hour. So I've learned that we have learned a ton because I always say, you guys, you know, to run with the Dickies or the Dwarves and some of these bands, Weasel, we've got to be at the top of our game. And so that one thing with the Dickies is is that they never go a million miles an hour, but they're always, always really good and usually great. So I've learned a lot from watching those guys. Yeah. So yeah. What, what we can take away from this is fuck Warp Tour, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Well, you know, with, yeah. this, with going back to the the law, the when did punk lose its sense of humor thing? Because you know, you think about how many of the greatest punk rock records of all time could never be made anymore. And once again, Neil and I were just talking about the Fear record. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. it could never be made now, right? He gets shamed right. out of the business. You would, you would, you know, they'd be lined up at, they'd be protesting to make sure that they couldn't play Nine Twenty Four Gilman or whatever, you know. And right, right. and that's the yeah. thing that bothers me more is okay. So there was bands I didn't like back in the day. You know what I did? I didn't go to their shows. Exactly. You know what I didn't do? Exactly. Try to get them banned from every club. You know, like God forbid the Annie Nowhere League can actually play a show in the United States without a bunch of freaking kids showing up to protest. You know. Oh my uh, God! Are you guys kidding me? We played some little shit show. Like Silver Springs, Maryland, on a Tuesday night in some little club, and we knew the promoter, and he got us there, and there was forty people or something. We had a ball, absolutely had a ball, because so many of those people they could never come down and see us at other shows, but they sure. showed up there, so we had a ball. But there was three kids out there protesting me, and it was like, <laughs> I'm like, this is kind of pathetic. I want like a riot with Antifa here, but I get these three kids. I'm like, come on. <laughs> And it was so ludicrous. So it's actually an like, insult. It's actually an insult that they couldn't get more people to protest you. I know. And I go, how pathetic is your life that you're here protesting me? You know, an ultra, you know, left-wing guy who was always fighting Nazis back in the day. And then all of a sudden, I'm a Nazi. And it's just like, oh, my God. I mean, I wouldn't have the balls to, like, like you know, if it's negative online, I've noticed people will believe it. They'll believe it. Yeah. The good stuff they don't want to hear. But the, if it's negative... 
We hate you. And you know what? If you peel back the layers of the onion and go way down to what it is, they're fucking jealous that I'm in a band and I get to tour around the world and, and I make friends every time I turn around and I'm still doing what I love to do and what I dreamt of doing in high school. That's what it is. I well, truly believe, you know. That's what I that's that's the funny thing, because that's what I will say is like Joe Joe Queer's a dick. He's a racist. He's a Joe Joe Queer's all this. But nobody who knows you says that everybody who knows you says, oh, Joe's a great dude. Yeah, you know what well, I mean? Exactly. So it's it's so it's like right. yeah, and well, it's the cancel. It's the whole cancel. Well, culture yeah, I was thing, I was gonna you know? say it actually goes bigger than that because if you remember back to the eighties and stuff, who was who, who was the uh, who was the vice president? It was Reagan's vice president and his wife, Tipper Gore. She had that whole um, what is it? She put oh, the, sti- was, putting uh, the stickers. That was Clinton's. Clinton's. Oh, right. Putting the stickers on the albums and shit, right? And trying right, to ban yes, and trying to ban right. stuff. Whereas now it's yeah. gone full circle. And now it's the left wing trying to ban stuff. What, yeah. what the yeah, fuck yeah, happened? Well, the right too. They're both still trying. They're both but, trying to ban stuff. But, but I mean, I I, yeah. I don't get, I don't get it. I I just don't yeah. get the whole thing. It's like yeah, right. you you you're right. If you don't like it, don't go see it. But you yeah, don't right. you don't have the right to stop me from seeing it. Yeah. Apparently oh, they do now. Apparently well, do. you have a different opinion, and all of a sudden. You know, I got attacked. It was an eye opener for me. I had no idea. I'm like, and I tried to explain myself. I'm like, I don't know. It's my opinion. I thought the cop was okay in front, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It's just an opinion. But that thing, right then, my, I, I, I could not believe it. And I realized things had changed when I wasn't paying attention. And I was like, oh my god. So it's weird. Yeah. Well, it, it the thing that bothers me is I don't remember coming up in the scene. I don't remember the like the opinions, everybody having to have a lockstep opinion. It seemed like there was a variety of opinions and yes. political leanings and stuff within the scene, as opposed to now it's like, if you want to be in the punk scene, if you want to be on the good side of the punk scene, you have to believe X, 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 and X. You know right. what I mean? There's, and right. there's no variation from that. All right. Yeah. We try, yeah. I swear we try not to talk politics on the show. So we're going to skip. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to pull us out of this. I'm enjoying it. What are you talking no about? <laughs> well, I, I am. I, am <laughs> Fuck too, it. I don't want to be a victim of the cancel culture, Neil. I, I think the people um, listening to us know what they're that's in true. for. That's true. They know what they're going to get for the most <laughs> yeah, part. Yeah, I think they know. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk a little bit about the. So the, for the last ten years, you haven't recorded an album of original material, but you have re-recorded uh, your two hopeless albums. And I remember reading something I thought that was a quote from you that was essentially something like, "Well, you know, we were never happy with the sound of those original albums." But I mean, really, you just wanted your master's back, right? I mean, that's is that what it came down to, or, or am I am I jumping too far, too too much? No, of well, we they own the masters to those albums. Yeah, so yeah, that's what that's took, what I'm saying. So you made new masters essentially. Yeah, two new versions. I wasn't trying. to – I loved the both albums. I mean, Beyond the Valley was a little weird, but you know, I love I love um, I love Punk, Punk Rock, Rock Confidential and. But we weren't trying to remake it. Some people are grumbling. I'm like, dude, if I wanted to remake the album, I could have. But it wasn't our idea. We wanted to do like alternate versions. But Hopeless had taken all the stuff down off YouTube. So um, so we were like, hey, let's do these. And it was kind of a live in the studio type thing for both those albums. So that's that's what happened with those those whole thing. You know, those right there. Well, it's, it's funny. I must admit. So we haven't having been a fan of the originals. I never listen to the re-recordings because I'm like, why would you do that? I always hate it when bands re-record. You know, the, yeah. the like 77 era punk bands are famous for this, right? They don't have any of their own masters, so they re-record everything and it's lifeless. Well, I gotta say, they they pop. The albums pop. So I was actually so if anybody's out there has been afraid to listen to these because they I thought it was just disappointing. They sound great. Yeah, I mean, very lively. 
I loved the original album, so we weren't trying to top it. So it was kind of like, let's do alternate, you know, uh, back vocal ideas on The Sun Always Shines Around You that we didn't do on the original and, and stuff, sort of alternate takes. And that's that was where it's coming from. So <laughs> I wasn't into I wasn't really into Sorry. doing the whole thing. Neil, what are you I laughing? Just, are I, you just laughing read, I just read. I just read. I was looking. I was looking at the track listing for Punk Rock Confidential, and oh, yeah, Mrs. Mrs. No, Mrs. Brown, you've got an ugly daughter. Oh, yeah, that one is a classic. Yeah. Oh God, you're killing me. Because I love that. I love that original song from the '60s. But um, Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely daughter. But... You know, you would. You got. You got to check out. Oh, so so funny. I was. I was honestly laughing my ass off listening to those songs today because I, I. I have all the albums, but certain ones I revisit. I. I, I always go back to Don't Back Down. Love songs to the retarded and beat off. Those are the three I always go back to. It seems like, but I gotta, I gotta get a little yeah. deeper into the deeper in the catalog. And I see you've been putting out like, like alternate cover versions and stuff. So there's definitely, if you want to be a queers record collector, you can definitely get a lot of stuff. Plus, they've been reissued on a handful of other labels over the years. So I, I tell you what, what, Tom, do you, do you want to play something off of Punk Rock? Yeah, why don't, why, don't we, why don't we play that one, Neil? Okay, so this That's is Mrs. made you laugh. That's a good song. <laughs> yeah. So this is Mrs. Brown. You've got an ugly you can daughter. Get it out. Yeah, <laughs> ugly is the word instead of lovely. Right. Yes, That's Mrs. Right. Brown. You got an ugly daughter by the queers.
Sorry about that, everybody. I can't keep my shit together. Yeah, some of these. Uh, Dude, I'll tell you. I'll some tell you when we're done. A couple of songs that you absolutely have to listen to. You laugh so hard. All righty, sounds good. But um, so um, you lost your train of thought. Look, you yeah, old. I did. I totally, yeah. I totally lost my train of thought. So you, so you, so when the new record is done, are you you plan to do vinyl? You plan to do CD? You plan to do physical? Or are you going to do like your buddy Ben Weasel just did and just kind of kind of shit this thing out? Or haven't you decided that yet? Oh no no no! We'll do um, CDs on Rad Girlfriend, and then because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, uh, Asian Man doesn't do uh, CDs, so uh, All Star Records, our label. So yes, vinyl absolutely, and um, and then uh, the Mangers album, Stripe Records. We'll do vinyl and CDs over there too in Europe. So oh yeah, yeah. We'll so do all that. so I'm sure you have you got a chance to listen. I'm sure you've listened to the new Screeching Weasel album, or are you are you uh, living in a cave somewhere? Are you, I know you've been in the studio yourself, but have you got a chance to check it out? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I actually, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's the best thing they've done in quite a while. And yeah. he just, he did that. He just dumped it out there. Now I assume somewhere along the line, somebody will put this thing on vinyl because I think it's too good not to put on, put on physical. Yeah, I, I, I told him. I said, you know, go with with Rad Girlfriend or something. Josh up in Dayton, he does our CDs and he'll do vinyl too. He does a great job. Wonderful, great. He friend does. Of mine. Rad Girlfriend's a great label. I have several things yeah. on. There. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I don't know. You know, that's Ben's side of the street. I'm not quite sure. I will say, kind of off topic, I thought it was, I really, yes, I'm with you. I think it's a great album. I haven't listened to it too much. When it first came out, I listened to the whole thing a couple times, and then I'm in the studio. But I thought the production was really good, and um, and the songs were great. And I think it's a real natural progression from the guy who did Boogada and My Brain Hurts to this new album. I, I love it. It's a, it's it's great. It really it really struck me as, as a solid album. It, it's funny, Ben does not, and I'm sure he, part of it is he makes his own luck. But yeah, his luck with labels has been definitely uh, a little bit, a little bit touch and go over the years. The rumor about him, of course, is that he's very difficult to get along with. But I've never met him, so I have no idea. You and he have been friends for thirty something years, so he must not be impossible to get along with. No, he's he's you know, online and stuff. He's got the stage persona, sort of, but yep. it's an it's an act. But Ben's you know, as down earth as any of us. So, and a, and a good pal through thick and thin. You know, I, I, I well, I and when you, he had I, trouble, when he had trouble, you didn't turn on him like the rest of the rats that jumped ship as soon as he had the slightest little bit of, you know, trouble in his own life. So, well, I, I mean, think, come I think on, man. To him ex- too. Well, ex- I mean, come on, you know, friendship, your friends will do stuff you don't agree with. You don't kick them sure. to the fucking curb. Well, that's, you know? that's exactly it, isn't it? Because that's that same thing. God, we'll get back to this again. That's just an extension of that cancel culture thing, right? It's like, yeah. that you committed an unpardonable sin. You are now banned from punk rock for life. And and But I think the thing with, with Ben, and I always wonder this about you, and I'm starting to get the feeling maybe this wasn't your case. I think he just sort of has gotten to the point where he maybe relishes the role of the heel. And I thought maybe you were, I thought maybe that was kind of you too. Do you ever say that? You're just like, yeah, screw it. They ain't going to like me. Why do I, why should I even try? Because there's you can either do that or you can sort of like fake apologize. And I've never heard you do like the fake apologize thing. So, I mean, do you, have you come to relish the role of the heel or am I way off there? I think all you got to do is go on Facebook and, and stick up for Trump, which you know, I'm not a Trump lover or Trump hater. It's like every other president that we've had in yeah. my lifetime. I like some stuff. I don't like others. But I certainly don't think Trump's any worse than any of them. And I, uh, that's like my I, conclusion, too. They're all so bad. Ugh. I was behind Obama 110 percent, man, and he was a huge disappointment. And I blame him for a lot of the problems where we are with this PC culture and all that stuff. I really 
thought he could have done so great and he was a major disappointment. But, you know, blaming Trump for this or that. I mean, a lot of the anti-Trumpers, I'll be honest with you, I like going on Facebook sometimes and I'll stick up for Trump. Oh, my God. So you do just, enjoy the role. Yeah, so he you does. do enjoy yeah. the role of the heel. See? Well, I mean, I, like you guys said it best. Let's face it. The left wing is now the right wing, and the right wing is the left wing pretty yeah. much. It's oh, like it's wingless. We're wingless. I'm a punk rocker. It's like I, I don't align myself with the mainstream media and, and Hollywood, you know, actors and actors. I don't align myself with those clowns. I don't, I'm not going to agree with them anyway, but uh, I certainly don't as far as their whole – you know, holier than thou attitude with Obama, great, Trump, bad, and all that. I don't, you know, I don't buy into all that uh, bullshit. So all this, all this stuff with this Corona, I think, is is shown the if, if you align with either party, I, I, and I know people are screaming at me right now, but the fact that is, if you align with one of the major parties, you have to be at least slightly intellectually dishonest because if yeah. you you're either like everything Trump does is good and everything my liberal governor does is bad, right. or everything right. my liberal governor does is good and everything Trump does is bad, even if they're doing the same thing. Right, exactly. You know, it's it's, 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 it's just it's it's yeah, it's gotten it's gotten brutal. I can't stand it. What well, is your, what is your with, situation in Georgia? You guys are open. Are you? Not, I'm, I, I didn't even ask. You, are you still in Georgia? Yeah, Marietta. Okay, yeah. and yeah. you guys are more or less open back up, right? Yeah, I think it's supposed to get. It seems like stuff never really closed down, and then you know we sort of thought it did or acted like it did. Now stuff's <laughs> opening up, but I don't. You know, who knows? Um, I, I you don't just know. Stay, you just stay home anyway. You don't even care. Huh? Well, and that is the big thing. I mean, you see, you said it all there. Nobody fucking knows, but people of each party will make out like they do. It's the same thing in England. Like, you know, yeah. um, the conservatives will will do so. They'll do the best thing. You know, they're doing the best thing they think they can, and they right. get completely trashed by the Labour Party. You know, and uh, if the boot was on the other foot, the Labour Party wouldn't have any better idea what to do. Nobody the knows easiest, what to fucking the, do. The easiest party right, to be in right. is the party that's not in power. Yeah, it's like it's like it's, it's like being the backup quarterback. It's like being the backup yeah, quarterback. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As a Lions well, fan, I can relate to that. The greatest Lions <laughs> yeah. quarterback was always the guy sitting on the bench. <laughs> right. Right. But I mean, this thing, to be honest, came out of left field. It's a once in a lifetime thing. I'm 62. Come on. I mean, I wouldn't imagine if Obama was still in power. He would have a great grasp on it. Right. So I, exactly I kinda, my point. you know, yeah. you know, Jerry Lewis, the comedian said a great thing. He said, life is just a great, big, beautiful balloon floating through the air with a bunch of little boys with pins running after it, trying to poke holes in it. And I said, you know, that's how this whole virus thing is. It's like, yes, there's mistakes. Did we think it was going to be perfect? Like, was Hillary Clinton the savior or Biden? Give me a break. Come on. So, um, well, yeah, it's it's. It's one of those things, too. And even if, like, I don't really particularly like the way the governor of Michigan is handling this. But by the same token, I wouldn't want to be in her position. It's right, a lose-lose exactly. lose situation. It's a, loo- it you know is a I mean? lose-lose situation. It's a lose-lose situation. Lose situation. Yeah. If people die, they say, oh, why didn't you protect people? If you collapse the economy, then you, you know, listen, people are going to die if the economy collapses, too. You can't, I know you mm. can't trade people for lives, but there's got to be some kind of a tipping point, right? Well, you know, guys, I read the statistics. I think it was in the Sunday paper from Boston. I read the Boston paper before anything else. Still a New Englander, still a New yeah. Englander at heart, huh? And the numbers were astounding in Massachusetts for this virus thing. Over 80 years old, it was decimating that population. And then even up in my age, it went down to like for my age group, I think it was six people or five people in every for every thousand was the mortality rate. And then under yeah. 30, they have not lost one 
person under 30 years of age from COVID-19 in Massachusetts as really? of Sunday or something. Yes. And Even so, if they didn't have, I see if they, I mean, I could see, I think if you had diabetes, you know, there's underlying conditions too. Like that's what, even the older folks, you're, if you have an underlying condition, you're far more likely to die from it. I exactly. Think. Right. So when he's from, you know, listed as a cause of death, nobody under 30 years of age has died from the virus in Massachusetts as of Sunday or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's just like you can't you can't trust the media. You don't know the numbers no. are skewed. Who knows? Well, and the, and the it num- seems like the the Democratic governors are skewing the numbers yep. too high, and yep. the conservative governors are skewing it too low. I was so about the to, truth. I was about to say exactly the same thing. Probably lies somewhere in mm-hmm. the middle. Yeah, it's it's You're like right. it's like I I heard the Illinois governor saying um, that if anyone, even if you're 90 years old and you're dying of cancer and you're in a hospice, if you get COVID, they're going to count that as a COVID death. Exactly right. You know, and right, Florida's someone, doing just the opposite. Florida's doing just the opposite. So you can't trust the numbers. The numbers are, yeah. you know, yeah. right. If you go into the, the the hospital and you have a heart attack and you die, if they test you afterwards and you are positive for COVID, they'll put you down as the virus killing you. So it's like I don't know. It's all politics. It's getting it pretty, is. It is. pretty I, sickening. I just, but I I really disappointed the punk rock community that these supposedly open-minded people hey listen back in the day we welcomed everybody that's what i loved about punk sure yep. people had yep. whacked out ideas we go to berkeley it's like oh my god you know whatever but you, you knew they weren't racist you didn't hate them because they had different crazy views we were yep. all welcome and now it's like you know you've got to tell them, look at me i've been fighting nazi uh, you're tripping that's an anti-nazi song yeah. i've sang it a first million album. times in my life yep. the first time they had a chance to throw me under the bus they call me a Nazi, and it's like, oh, my God, no, no, no. Dude, so. I, I, I had a whole diatribe plan for another show about this. But, yeah, punk rock yeah. used to be this huge rainbow of, like, different thoughts, different yeah. ideas. You had x-ray specs with fucking saxophones. You had the stranglers sure. with the keyboards. You had yes. all kinds of different shit. Whereas now, and I'm going to I'm gonna throw Razor Cake under the bus here, the uh, magazines like that, or like Maximum Rock and Roll was, they want to make punk yeah. rock from this huge rainbow into this tiny little gray. They're painting themselves into this tiny little corner about yeah. what is yeah. punk rock. And it's not. Yeah. It was this huge fucking thing that anybody right. was could be included in. You know? Well, yes. And, and, and the- we learned, you know, we, we learned to, like I said before, you know, the great big bands, Black Flag and DKs and all that, they were goofing on themselves. Yes. And they were goofing at themselves. So they're laughing at themselves, number one. So they got their point across through sense of humor. And now it's like, um, I mean, I don't preach in the choir here, but it's it's just changed from what it was. But, you know, oh, Lord forbid, Leonard called the girl a cunt. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Who was intentionally even, who was intentionally baiting him? Yeah, right? she was intentionally baiting him. Yeah. I've been around the block once or twice, and I'll tell you before I was even in bands or before I was, you know, on Lookout Record and stuff, I won't even name names of guys, big singers to this day that I saw bitch slap girls and punch girls and stuff. I saw it a few times, kick girls. Just back in the day, it was violent <laughs> as hell. So I'm like, you know, you go to a punk rock show and start baiting people and you get kicked. Boo hoo, you know? I mean, well, fucking you! Well, you know what you're up, you're doing. Well, that was that was. I don't want to say that was part of it back then, but when I was growing up, you kind of expected. I mean, there was there was always <laughs> right, there, was, exactly. there was always a threat of violence. There always well, was. What's funny, you look always. at you look at like you look at these pictures from the '60s or whatever, and you got Ted Nugent with his 15 year old living girlfriend, yeah. <laughs> and you have these pictures yeah. of like Jimmy yep. Page with his 14 year old living yes. girlfriend. Yes, exactly. And and now you have like singers of pop pump punk bands you know like writing two-page confessions about how they use their power in a band to get girls or something and how it was uh-huh. wrong you're just like 
Man, oh, Mick dude. Jagger's rolling over in his grave somewhere. So let's pl- let's play a song, and then let's maybe maybe if you don't mind, maybe we talk about those golden days in the '90s a little bit. Sure. Okay, so All we're, right. uh, we're gonna play um, the, the one that Joe wanted. Uh, it's cold yeah, outside. Your, oh, I was gonna say you want to do your tripping because I think that's a great song. Bob, uh, you're tripping. Sure, I'm fine. I'm down with that. We'll get the other one in. We'll get that other okay. one in, Neil. All Good right. Time. So we're doing your tripping. What album's that off of? This is from Love Songs. That's Love Songs. Okay. Tripping by the queers. Can't you see this ain't 1943? All right. So, so obviously, you know, now looking back, we're all, you know, the golden era of Lookout, the 90s, you guys, Weasel, Mr. T Experience, all those great bands. Did you, did you, at the time, now we all at wax eloquently about how it was a golden age. At the time, did you feel like you were part of something important or not particularly? Was it just make a record, go on tour? Yeah. I really enjoyed it, so it was more make a record. I was so excited to be able to do it, and there was such a big scene, and Green Day was getting big, and Nirvana's, you know, kind of in the punk realm, and so it was really exciting, but I didn't, like anything else, you don't appreciate it till it's gone, so I just thought it would go on forever, but people, to me, our Move Back Home album, a lot of people love that and beat off, but they were lesser albums. Love Songs was great, Don't Back down was great i thought but um we thought we could do so much better than move back home we knew we could and but people love it and i think it has more to do with the time in our life it was a special time green day was big in 1995 and you know stuff was happening and it was an exciting time so um people luckily the album was out there and they latched onto that because it has brings a lot of good memories to people but as far as the album itself it wasn't that great but anyway now like I didn't. I, I I enjoyed touring and and laughing and having fun. So um, I didn't probably should have appreciated it more. But it, it was a lot of fun as it was. 
but um, no, I didn't. I didn't wake up saying, "Gosh, I'm you know in a we're great do- period for music." Or we're anything. doing something special, I right? know. <laughs> Did you you, uh, you said you still talk to Ben? I mean, you still I mean, you still in touch with people from that from that era. Other people from that era is there still a sense of camaraderie amongst you, or is that kind of split up, spread out over the years, or split up over the years? Yeah, I've been in touch with a lot of you know Ben. I talked to Vab, but I just emailed him the other day. B Face, of course, we still talk. I keep in touch with him. Um, Are you and B Face so, friendly? See, I thought that you guys kind of ended badly. Am I wrong we, about that? We did end badly, but it was just, you know, at the time, the problem was we started in, I had a restaurant and we were, we were closed on Sunday. So we would go down there, drink beer and rehearse on Sundays. And we'd invite our friends down and have little parties. And we went from that to getting royalty checks and traveling around the world. And so all of a sudden it was like, we, we come on stage and we'd be sold out at the Trocadero theater in Philadelphia on a Monday night, like a thousand people or something. And, you know, we wanted to go up there and say, it was just a joke, everybody. We're kidding. We were just kidding, you know, writing Ursula finally has tits and I'm a, I don't want to be a granola head. So um, we, then we started getting money. And, and so it, it ended up badly because we weren't talking enough. Hugh got a brain tumor and died. And so he would have pulled this together. But I, it really broke my heart to have to break up. But um at the same time, we were just never getting better musically, and I wanted to move on. So, um, anyway, once I mean, come on, it's been 20 years or something. Yeah, so we're, long we're long past that. I mean, I never got to the point where I wished B face any ill will, no matter how mad I was at him, and, and vice versa, too. We, hmm. we, you know, I care about his parents, and he always loved my parents, and my parents loved him, and blah, blah. You know what I mean? It was never it's a it long never relationship. Past a, exactly. So, um, He's doing great now, him and Anda, and uh, he did come back and play a show about a year and a half ago for a f- good close friend of ours from back in the day, his 60th birthday. So we all went to Kansas City, and Wimpy showed up, and B-Face mm. and Anda, his, his uh, girlfriend showed up. <laughs> we had a ball. It was funny because we're at the hotel room going over tunes, and after about six minutes, we're like, he's like, hey, dude, I got this. You know, and we've done it so many times, drunk and in blackouts and shit that um his fingers just, just knew where to go we just had the little set list there and just uh, he didn't skip a beat so i was like be face dude you still got it man you didn't skip a That's beat awesome. and we just you know he's like any tune you want to do just throw it in there so it was pretty funny i actually so a few years ago i saw him play with the mopes at uh jughead's 50th birthday party oh yeah 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 he did yeah. he did like a private one in his house and then he did a big one at reggie's it actually sold out had the lillingtons man geez it was it was a big show even in blackouts oh. Oh, but nice. beef face looks still he much like yourself he's an ageless wonder man he still looks like a young guy yeah yeah uh, yeah he's, he's still he's still hanging in there that's cool um yeah. So, oh, okay. So, going back to your New ha- New Hampshire days. Um, so, one of my favorite songs on the last album. Hold on, hold, was... hold, hold on one second. Let, let, let me ask this a second. So, if you're going back, I want to go back. So, your first sing- okay. your first single, "Love Me." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah. that's now, a great. Well, do you, <laughs> that's a bizarre song. Do you do you ever do you ever look on Discogs? Do you ever go to Discogs? No. Okay. Do you know what the original press of "Love Me" is going for? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. $3,800. $3, wow. Uh, that, that was the last. I've seen it go over six grand. So how many yeah. of those How many of those are out there? Must only be a couple hundred, if that. Huh? Two, 200, I pressed. Yeah. 200. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So, 
Yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, I gave them away because I was like, you know, come on, you don't think they're going to be worth anything. And sure. if someone, it would make them happy to get a copy of it, I was only too happy to give it to them. Yeah, you know? yeah. So uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. You know, it's fun. You know, Tesco tells those same type of stories. The record store that Tesco used to sell his stuff out of in Lansing is still there, believe it or not. Well, oh, at, least wow. pre, at least pre-COVID. Hopefully it's still yeah, there right, after COVID. Yeah, right, but he yeah, tells a right. story about like the first Touch and Go record was this band from Lansing called The Fix, who were an amazing band who put out uh, this amazing single and they made like 200 of them and they just had a whole box of them sitting at this record store and they couldn't sell them and now they go for hundreds of hundreds of dollars a piece, you know. Right, right, uh, yeah. Yep, it's kind of funny. Uh, so, but it was really not to change subject. Really influential when when the Meat Men came out. They were, uh, they were. It was such a, a big impact for for guys like us that maybe didn't have the balls to start a band, or we had. It was something to a, a you know kind of kind to kind of um, live up to or uh, aspire to, I guess is the word, you know, the meat men. It was pretty yeah. good, really very influential on thousands of bands. Their impact was pretty huge in the scene. I, you know, Tesco's retired now and um, he still is around though. He does toy shows and stuff. And he's, I mean, he's still, he's still a public figure around town. I still see him show up at a show once in a while over in Grand Rapids. If some of his old pals are playing, I really would love to have him on too, so I could talk to him because you know they they were from Lansing and they moved to Washington D.C. and I'm like, you imagine the Meat Men and Minor Threat, a camaraderie between those two bands? It seems inconceivable in this day and age, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Oh, but but that whole crazy scene. But anyway, so okay, so the the song I always wanted to ask you about, and I always I never I never caught you to show or anything to ask you about this from the very last album. You did the song "I Knew Gigi When He Was a Wimp." Yeah. And yeah. that and that talks about you knowing Gigi when he was a young guy in New Hampshire, right? Yes, yeah. So yeah. so what can you elaborate on that story? I'm I'm endlessly fascinated by this. By Gigi, yeah, he was in the late 70s. I was cooking someplace and he would always have an ad in the paper in New Hampshire, Gigi and the Jabbers looking for musicians. And so that's how I met him, me and my buddy Don. Don was a bass player. He passed away me don a wimpy played and we went up and that's where we met Gigi up in manchester and he was just a regular dude then you know not a i'm not no judge of male beauty but he was a regular looking guy <laughs> his, his <laughs> wife so you're Sandy. saying towards the end he was not a male beauty is what you're saying i believe <laughs> well we all you know not really but he was really into music he loved the remotes his brother merle was in a band a bass player for a, a great boston band called the thrills if you get a chance to go listen to some of their old songs, um, Not Another Face in the Crowd and Heartbreaker. They had a girl singer, Barb Kitson. Johnny Angel was a guitar player. And they were a big Boston band. So Gigi's brother was the bass player there. And, of course, we hit it off because he loved all the bubblegum stuff. He loved Ramones and the Stones and Who and all that. And um, But he loved the, the Monkees and Paul Revere and the Raiders and all that stuff, too. So that's how we... We got to um, meet, yeah. Did did so. you got did the two of you ever play together or not particularly? Not really. We had a, a, a short lived band that never got out to play with Do this guy Don on bass and Gigi on drums because he was an amazing drummer. He played like Keith Moon. Jo Gigi mm. was a great drummer, <laughs> and I was on guitar. And we had a handful of rehearsals, and then I don't know what happened. Don died or something, but. Um, <laughs> But I, yeah, I knew Gigi back, you know, and of course I'd seen, I remember one time the Ramones played on like a Wednesday night in Manchester, New Hampshire in like February. 
and there might have been 250 people. It was like a meet and greet, basically. I brought my Mose right and brought it backstage and showed it to Johnny. And he oh, let me sweet. play his guitar. It was almost like a meet and greet. They were just hanging out in the crowd. Gigi was there in fishnet stockings and a fucking mini dress and high <laughs> heels. And I'll tell you, it takes some balls now, but he, this was 1978, dude. So, Gigi, man, he was not backing down. I love the guy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... So you knew him when he was just a normal dude. Did you cross paths later on? Like when, cause you, you got the queers going again, what, like 90 or late eighties, early nineties, you got the queers going again after the like little bit of run at the beginning. Did you run into him after he'd become the character yeah. that he became later? And, and did you kind of yeah. look at him and go, dude, come on. <laughs> well, he never acted he acted just like we're talking with me. It was just oh, like, so, good so, okay, old Gigi. So, yeah, he was not like in character with me. He was just totally down to earth. Great guy. Always the fact that him. he could, the fact that he could step out of character says something, you know, I kind of felt sorry for him. I wish he hadn't done some of the crazy, crazy shit. Cause I thought he was a talented musician. Drink, fight, hmm. fuck. He's got some good songs. So it was a little. Oh, look at Don't Talk it. to Me. Like his first single was like Don't Talk to Me, right? I don't know if that was his first single, but man, great punk rock song, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, so I kind of felt kind of bad where, you know, knowing him back then, what he he'd done this stuff, and he's kind of famous for that when he was, uh, to me, a serious musician, absolutely. So, um, but you know, drugs brought a lot of him down. He died at Johnny Puke's house, and I'm fr good friends with Johnny Puke. And Johnny Puke said they were. You know, it was a regular night. They were, Gigi was talking about going on tour in Europe, and they said, all right, I'm going to crash. Okay, I am too. And they just came down in the morning, and he had given up the ghost. So just it was kind of weird. Match. Well, it's, I, he just, he, they said, Johnny said, you know, we were just uh, snorting Coke and drinking some beer. It wasn't, you know, he just, he said, okay, I'm going to crash too and just lay down like any other night. And then he just, you know, died during the night. So he hadn't, wasn't like he OD'd on fentanyl or anything. He just, you know, his body had given up, it just had enough, I guess. So he, it was kind uh, of sad. He always will have a strong connection to Michigan because of course he did time and he, he, where he went to prison was for a show in Michigan mm. where he mm. kicked the woman in the face. Wasn't, I think it, maybe I'm You know what? I, 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 maybe I better walk back on that, but I thought Michigan is where he did a little bit of time. So all the shit, all the shit he did, that's what he went to prison for. Well, he beat up, he, he messed a woman up pretty badly, I think, or something. After oh, show, did. okay. I can't I, I, I can't read. I knew uh, I had lost touch with him, and then I was good friends with this gal up in Portland, Maine, and she would talk to him once a week. I can't remember the poor girl's name. We were all druggies back then, and um, so I told her. I said, "Tell Gigi." I said, "Hi," and tell him I got a song called "I Knew Gigi When He Was a Wimp," which she said, "Oh, Gigi laughed for five minutes over that one." He says, "Definitely write that song, Joe." And when I was going to go see him, he was going to play Portland, Maine, and uh, he died right before he was going to go up there. I was going to see him for the first time in a few years, but um, I was going to say that's damn near thirty years ago. He died like ninety-three. Yeah, yeah, say yeah, a long time. Ago. I, I had so that my, song had been kicking around in your head for a long time before I yes, finally made it. Yeah, yeah, and so we finally did it. But one thing, I'll tell you a little quick story. Um, I've told before with Gigi. So we would go up, Don and I would go pick him up in Manchester, New Hampshire, and then boogie down to Hampton Beach about 45 miles away. We lived in the beach, the seacoast of New Hampshire. He was mm -hmm. in Manchester. So we'd go pick him up, and we'd go down to this closed restaurant where I worked during the summer, there was no heat, but there was power. And the boss let me go in there 
and um, rehearse. So I had a key to the place. So it was freezing in there. But, you know, when you're fucking 21, you don't give a fuck. You, you're yeah. rehearsing, you know. So we went in there. Don, the guy that was on bass, was a real shit kicker, a big guy. He died at about age 23 when he got a motorcycle. He lasted about two months. So There's a lot of death in this story. <laughs> exactly. Well, anyway, so Don, so it was a closed restaurant. So there was a bar upstairs. Well, Don started drinking whiskey and he came down and he was trying to bully Gigi and I into playing Leonard Skinner, give me three steps and <laughs> something else, maybe Sweet Home Alabama. And so we're like, no, fuck that. We don't want to play that shit. So Don became belligerent. So we finally got him out of the building and then I had a 1965 AMC Rebel four-door. So me and Gigi are sitting in the front front seat. Don, who is a huge guy, jumps up on the hood of the fucking car. It's freezing cold like winter. And he goes, fuck you, faggots. I'll fucking put my boot through this fucking window. Fuck, in through the windshield and all that. And so, so he jumps down. This is the God's honest truth. He jumps down. He grabs my side view fucking mirror. He didn't wrestle with it with two hands. He didn't, you know, twist it or anything. He grabbed it with his right hand and pulled it off, just like in the movies, my side view fucking mirror on my 65 Rebel. And he whipped it down the fucking street about 100 yards, it seemed. And Gigi, because we thought he was going to beat us up, and Gigi goes, his voice goes up about two octaves, and he goes, let's get out of here. <laughs> I fucking, we tore off, and Don was throwing rocks at us. I stopped, grabbed my mirror, and just dropped, you know, Brought Gigi back home, but Gigi was terrified of Dawn, and with good reason. The guy was huge, whiskey drunk. Oh my God! I don't know. We left him down there. I don't know. But anyway, that was um, yeah. Gigi was not tangling with Dawn. God love him. Gigi knew better than that. But I'll never forget that time, man. Ripped the you mirror think, right off. Yeah. So, do you so think wait. that was the moment he decided he needed to stick frozen hot dogs up his butt and then eat them? Do you think it was that moment when Don Don threatened him? Do you think that's when I, he turned? I always tell people, I, I think he kind of took some of his act from Don. You know, there was a few other incidents along those lines. And I was like, the first time we went up to see him, you know, Gigi had a button down shirt. His wife, Sandy, had a nice apartment. The other guys were there. And then Don said, hey, Gigi, what's that? He had some sort of china cabinet. And there was a bottle of whiskey in there. And Gigi said, what, that? Oh, that's whiskey. And Don's like, can I have some? And so, you know, <laughs> it was fucked up, man. But he was terrified of Don. I'll never forget that. That's it funny because he seems so menacing. Because, Gigi, you know, when you look at him later, he seemed like such a menacing dude, you know, but obviously Oh, no. dude, I saw him at one show and he's fucking throwing shit on the audience and I ran like a <laughs> fucking scared bitch. He didn't fucking throw it on me. I was I was running. I was like, oh, my God. It was, I can't, it was someone else like Chris Doty from Gangrene or someone I looked up to from some band and he was terrified of Gigi. We're all running because he was throwing shit Chris at everybody. Is like, Chris is... Chris is about your build, but about six inches shorter. So, at I, least I don't Chris know is a was, tiny dude. Right. I don't know if it was Doherty, but it was someone like from some bigger band running in terror. And I go, oh my God, if they're fucking terrified, I'm getting fucking. <laughs> but Gigi looked at me, but I guess he recognized me, so he didn't throw the shit at me. But anyway, um, yeah, I'll never forget that. But I, you know, he was a great guy and just loved good music, though. He was a good guy. Huh. That's well, funny. Should we should we play that song? Seeing as you've been talking about it for ten minutes. Sure, it's like one minute long. I mean, it's oh. yeah. All right. So yeah, I knew in, Gigi was a wimp. Introduce yeah. it to you. Okay, this is I knew Gigi when he was a wimp. This is from the Back to the Basement record, the the last proper, not really the last album, but the last album of original material, the last proper LP from 2010 on Asian Man Records. Yeah. 
Yeah, there you go, the queers. I knew Gigi when he was that, a that is, You know, the, if there was, if I had a complaint about the Back to the Basement record, which you said you weren't real thrilled with the production of it, if I had a complaint with it, it would be that it was so short. It was like, yeah. you know, it was we, like 20, we, 20 minutes long. I mean, it had it had a couple of longer songs, but it was a lot of like one-minute songs. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll take a good one-minute song over a crappy four-minute song any day. So or it's a crappy 35-minute really song. How's that? There you well, go. the the... The thought of that album was, I remembered in the old days, we would go into the studio in Boston and we're supposed to have like, I always have to pay because nobody had any money. So we're supposed to pay the engineer $200 and go for like four hours. Well, we'd show up with about a, 109 in change and because um, we spent the rest on beer and cocaine. And you would go in in those days, there was no click tracks and all this stuff. You would just go in and tune up and then you would just start, if you started and ended together, that was a great take. There was none of this, you know, pro sure. tool stuff. Sure. So um, I wanted to go back to there where we didn't use click tracks and we didn't get all pretty about it and just go with the raw energy of like Black Flag Damage. So that was the whole thought and it kind of came out okay, but we really should have gone to a bigger studio and redone it. Um, we just did it too quick. But anyway, that was the thought process, you know. Well, it, it, I, I was shocked when somebody told me that, oh, yeah, everybody uses click track now. So, so like, I mean, you're you're recording at your home studio now. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you doing all that stuff? You, I mean, you auto-tuning, you click tracking? What are you doing? You auto, key, auto keyboard tune, sequencing? Auto-tune, <laughs> no, and all that many stuff. No, but we we have used, we did use a click on a few songs, but then we did quite a few without it so mm. um, sometimes the click it becomes all about the click and we're like ah fuck the click so yeah. um wait hold on a sec hold on a second what the fuck's a click track explain to me i'm old what, oh what, what's it's like, a, click like track? a metronome essentially in the drummer's ear right. so he keeps perfect time oh okay gotcha all right sorry because you know on. some yeah. of the greatest punk rock songs have kind of a loose swing you know where it's damn you straight know, feel it pick up and down a little bit i'm not a fan of it but by the same token i literally haven't been in a recording studio since you know for since they became so popular well, but you know home recording is is you know when you first started doing the queers you had to go to some recording studio you know you never dreamed that 30 years down the road you'd have a you know you'd have to go down in your basement to use the studio or whatever you'd have a full studio in your basement with probably yeah. 100 tracks or whatever unlimited right, tracks. right 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 exactly yeah it um yeah, it's it's uh, it's we use it a, sometimes, but I did talk to Richie and Mar Marky Ramon because I play with both those guys, and so nope. they they never use clip tracks for their Ramon stuff. No. So. Um, yeah, yeah, that was before. I think that was before it became. Yeah. So. Before it became popular. Right. You had to. I grew up on tape, so you had to play. There was no Pro Tools back then, so you had to, you know, you had to know your instruments. Nowadays, some of these bands I record, they couldn't. They couldn't work on tape. They're not good enough. Right. So, um, but uh, our album is pretty honest. It's not going to be all edited together and trying to make it perfect. Because um, let's face it, uh, our our the queers we're not going to get on mainstream radio anyway. I I yeah. just think if you the the uh, editing and all that stuff gets in between the band and the finished product and and. You know, does it really add to things? No, I think it detracts from the energy. So who, look at Boogada by Screechy Weasel or My Brain Hurts or Love Songs for the Retarder. Yep. We recorded that in 18 hours. Those are all classic albums, but, you know, we didn't auto-tune that shit and use click tracks and 
Yeah. You know, none of us did, but yet they're, they're great albums or Black Flag Damage or the Ramones Leave Home. You know, come on, man. It's fucking DKs and all that shit. Nobody used click tracks. And it was about the raw energy. Yep. Me, man, come on. They would have laughed at click tracks. Did so. you? Are, so are you acting as your own producer essentially this time around, or do you have an outside producer coming in? No, no, no. I'm. I'm doing it myself and yeah. and the other question i would have is is that how you sort of make a living between tours is you you're recording other people no i mean i've got the studio that i could run professionally but i don't i don't want to go to clubs on tuesday nights and say hey by the way if you need a studio come oh, on to my place yeah, yeah. so i yeah, but got you got, the fact of the matter is you have enough name recognition that there's a lot of kids who are sort of worshiping at the at the queers altar that would probably be thrilled to uh well, yeah. I just go, I go word of mouth. And the other thing I tell yeah. them, I never turn anybody away because of money. I had a band come from England, the Adams. They didn't have any money. I did them for free because they made it all the way here. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I remember very well how it was. These kids are in bands. These young they're in bands and they don't make any money. Fuck, they got to pawn their bicycle just to get a plane ticket to get here. I mean, you're welcome. I'll record you because yeah. thank God I'm in a position that. Right. I, I have food on the table and my house is paid for and I've got a studio. I, you know, I, I always just go in the honor system. I said, if you can pay, then I'll charge 1500 album, but you show up here. And if you don't have any money, then I'll still record an album and bust ass. So that's how you, I let, do you let them sleep in. You just let them sleep in your garage too, or what? No, 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 no. I mean, I've got <laughs> spare rooms. I, you don't I, need to I answer that. <laughs> I, well, yeah. I, I have, but yet uh, we find it's better. I don't know a lot of these guys that well. Sure, sure, and they're sure, all respectful. Sure. So um, usually it works out better if they at least go that far and get get a hotel. Airbnb or something. Yeah. That they can get really cheap around here. So, um, But no, again, it's what I dreamt of doing in high school, being in a band and traveling sure. around the world and making friends. And um I've got I've been blessed by all the new, you know, the friends I have all around the world and, and kid bands that are appreciative of of the fact I help them out or they they come in there. They don't have a guitar. So here you go. Send it to me. Pay me later. You know, it's all the stuff I learned from the Ramones and and Screeching Weasel. And, um, you know, by giving some kid letting him have a guitar for six months that's hanging on my fucking Well, there you go, dude. Pay me when you can. I, I'm not in that position where I need the money. So, uh, yes, I can use it, but you know what I'm saying. So sure. I find what goes around comes around, and that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I, I love working with younger bands and um, and doing it. So, anyway, I'm producing this album. Uh, it's going to sound great. So hmm. we, were, really we were talking last Saturday. We talked to a guy named Rookie Rochelle, who we didn't know super well, but he said they had played with you guys. Yes. But, yeah. but they had just recorded the entire they had done the animal boy album and I, I i hadn't thought of this earlier but you guys famously did uh the third one of the clearview series you guys did rocket to rocket russia, russia. Yeah. So, yeah so looking back on that is that a fun, is that a fond memory for you uh you man i yeah. i loved i loved yours and i loved weasels i was a little only so so on the vindictives one but i i actually yeah. I, I still play that one so well yeah i i didn't Really, I didn't think we could talk. You can't top the Ramones. No, album. no, Certainly no, not no, the obviously. top three. So I was like, it was kind of a stupid thing. But I'll be honest with you, it's kind of funny now. But we did it at the time because we needed more stuff to sell at the merch table. Ah. So honest to God, yes, that's true. But as far as doing it, it was more fun hanging out with Ben and B-Face and um, just doing the process. And we did it like in two days. And that was the fun part of it. I just thought it was kind of a dumb 
thing, but it's taken on a life. People of its love own, those, I though. And I, I mean, yeah. me being one of them. Well, so, okay, so Tom, so I have to ask you this because you were saying that the other day, and I was like, well, why would you ever reach for that over the original Ramones album? Well, I, I, I listen. I, if you're talking, if you want the honest truth, you "Rocket to Russia" by the Ramones is getting ten spins for every one the Queers album is getting, but it's just fun for something different. Gotcha. They did okay. that. They messed around with the arrangements a little bit on the vocal melodies and some stuff, and it's it's cool. It's fun. It's a fun listen. Yeah. So, so Neil, should we should we ask him about the Ramones, the the, the about Marky and Richie, or should we should we uh, avoid that? Well, path? no. Let's just ask. Well, let's ask this. So. Um, Best Ramones drummer, Tommy or Tommy or Marky. Oh, it's, come on, dude. Well, no, I'm asking, what, I'm asking I don't care Joe. Let's Joe see. Said. It's, it's Tommy. Joe, what do you uh, think? I I only saw them with Tommy twice. Uh, he was great. I saw them with Elvis. Oh, you did? <laughs> oh, you really? shit. Yeah, wow. That was only like two shows, he only, right? He only played two shows, and one was on my birthday, August 28th, in, in Providence, Rhode Island. I think it was at Lupo's. But it was oh, my birthday. Okay. I remember it was my birthday, and we went down and Clem Burke played. And I got backstage after the show, and Johnny was fucking yelling at Clem. <laughs> and Amazing. I, I, I felt bad because Clem Burke's a great drummer, but he was wrong for the Ramones. Wrong, you know? yeah. Yeah. Yep, I, was, yep. I, felt, I felt bad because Johnny was yelling at him. But um, I, I, he was horrible. He wasn't very good at all on drums that show. Were, but, um, were you? Were you friends with John? I mean, did you know, did you end up getting to know all the Ramones? You knew Joey a little bit, right? Did you know Johnny at all or not too much in Dee? Uh, no, I knew, I knew all of them, but Joey was the one I was pals with. You know, we okay. talked on the phone and, and, um, oh yeah, yeah, no, I knew Joey the best, but I had met all of them. Uh, but as far as drummers, I think everybody, Tommy started off and he was great. And then Marky did a great job. Richie, we're very excited. He had a little bit different character to his drumming and he wrote songs um but i played with richie and marky and they're all great drummers really all all of them both Mar richie and tommy they were all great but uh in their own way so i i can't really pick oh, one over the we other are, we're so so we're we're sort of i i'm sort of anti-marky right now and not so much as a drummer as much as his biography that came out a couple years ago I don't know if you got a chance to read that. It's called Marky Ramon's Blitzkrieg, My Life as a Ramon, or something like that. Did you did you get a chance to read that, Joe? Just just excerpts. Yeah. Okay, because what I didn't like about it was he talked, he basically pissed all over his dead bandmates who have no ability to defend themselves at this point. I was yeah. not not super impressed with that. But yeah. like Richie, everybody says Richie's a great guy. I, I don't know him personally. I saw his band, you know, his, his newer band a couple years ago, and I enjoyed watching him play Ramon's songs. I wouldn't say he's an amazing front man, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, he's, he's, I'm glad uh, to keep, I'm glad to keep, he's keeping the legacy alive. I think he and CJ especially do a really good job of mm. keeping the Ramones legacy alive and still kind of putting their own spin on it. Marky had, doesn't seem to add anything to the equation other than just sort of going over the same old stuff. But anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't I, want you to talk trash about your friend. I just, I, like I said, I'm kind of anti Marky at the moment, but yeah, I, I understand he's, he's kind of, you know, not the, um, he's ill at ease, I think, with people. He's a wonderful guy, but you got to remember Richie and CJ and Marky, they were hired hands. They yeah. weren't like getting, they would play these shows, but I don't want to tell their business, but I think they would get, you know, 500 a week and then a $90 per day per diem or something like that. Yeah. So they were not. Well, that's they, why Richie, Richie ultimately left over money. I mean, at least that's the story. Yeah, this I, cut of t-shirt sales or something. When I hang out with those guys, I uh, I 
don't I just let the conversation go where it may. Yeah, I've got there some questions, go. but they've said it a million times, so I don't feel like going over gotcha. that stuff unless gotcha. they bring it up. But um they all brought something to the table. Richie was exciting, Marky, I thought he did a good job. When we I played with Marky on guitar, but I did try to get him to play different songs and um I felt that some of the set was just kind of pedestrian. I, I felt there was so much other stuff we could have done. Uh, so, but it's exciting for me. These are guys that I opened up for them, the sure. Ramones. So, so we opened up for the Ramones the first time in 1986 at the Agora Ballroom in, in Hartford, Connecticut. And, and Richie was drumming then. And um, So that was the queers, like the wimpy era queers. That was when I had first gone to Boston, so we had Bobby Goudreau singing. I sang mm. half the set and then Bobby Goudreau came out. Joe, Joe, um, Joe Hughes on drums. He promptly broke a kick drum. We were so friggin' horrible that we had never played in front of 300 people, never mind 3,000. But this was, this was the queers, right? Or was this something different? Yeah, this was the queers. And, um, but we were, Joey was super nice to me. Um, he always liked our songs, but he knew we didn't know shit from a, our ass from a hole in the ground. And um, oh, we were hard. We we didn't know how to play in front of three thousand people. My God, I, all I could do was look behind me. I couldn't believe I was on stage with fucking Richie's drum set and and the amps. We're on amps. I, I was too much of a fan. And so we we played every song we knew and some we didn't. I mean, after we got into like Louis Louis for the third time, they finally sent a roadie out. We'd still be playing. We were horrible. But Joey came up and he told me that night, he goes, listen, whenever you open up for bands, play your best 22 and a half minutes and get off stage. This, you know, it'll make the show keep going. The sound guys will appreciate it. The, the manager, you know, keeps the, the fans will appreciate it. And those few people that like you, they'll find you. They'll 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 look you up. And um, I never forgot that 22 and a half minutes. And like Joey told me, he goes, and most bands only have one or two good songs anyway. So why are they playing over 20 <laughs> minutes? So I from that. It, so I never forgot that. What great advice. I'm telling you. Well, when you so, when you got bumped up to headliner, then you had to double it. Now you're up to 45 minutes, right? We yeah we kind of just go bang 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 without talking and um, so it depends if the crowd wants to hear more we play longer but yeah we're usually around forty forty five the dickies they go about like that dwarves they're about there too if you can't say it in forty minutes you can't say it if the crowd's going bonkers sure we'll play more but usually we just stop right there so it's funny there's sort of this confederacy of like. Uh, you know, politically incorrect bands, you know, you guys go up with the Dwarves and, you know, and, and the Dickies. And it's just, and it's funny because those are all my favorite, you know, my favorite type of bands, you know, the Nobodies, all these Pink yeah. Lincolns, you know, all these bands from yeah. that era. Oh, yeah. I could I could listen to them all day. I do listen to them all day, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh, crap. Man, I feel like we need to let you go, Joe. But, man, I... I we have two I, more uh, songs to play. What are you doing? Do we got two more songs? Okay, let's play yeah. one more and then we'll come back. What are, what are we playing? We got to play the, play the one that Joe picked out. I yep, mean, we do. That was. Oh, uh, it's called outside. It's, it's called, called outside. outside. Yep. yep. By the choir. Yeah. So, uh, can I say a little story about this? Oh, yeah, for please. sure. Yeah. You can tell five stories about it if you want. Really? I honestly, I I'm more worried about your time than I am about my own. So you don't. Uh, worry about it. No, I'm just sitting here. I I stay up to like three or four a.m. anyway, so I'm. We got I'm a six-hour show um, coming up. Strap there in. There we go. We're gonna do <laughs> a marathon. But. I had talked to Joey at one point. We were doing good around Don't Back Down. And I talked to Joey and I said, Joey, would you? He, we talked about he liked the Don't Back Down Queers album because we 
he always wanted to do Beach Boys vocals. Very with, Beach Boys, yeah. With him Very singing, yep. which was kind of cool. He said, you know, we're so one-dimensional. So we were going to do a four-song EP with Joey singing with us as his band. And Andy Paley, we talked to him about producing. And one song that I had asked Joey if he'd sing on a Queers album, either do for that session or do on our album, was It's Cold Outside. And I asked him if he'd sing it. And he said yes. And, of course, he got sick and blah, blah. You know, I, I wasn't smart enough to just jump on it that fast. But that was a song that he always loved. It's called Outside. Okay. So a little so, history behind that. Cool. That's a great story. Okay, so It's Cold Outside by the Queers. cold outside and that was from pleasant screams which was 98 ish am i 98 ish i don't i can't remember now it's all a blur <laughs> yeah you know it's funny the 90s let me let yeah. me do some research research on that one the halcyon day the halcyon the halcyon 90s yeah yeah uh, yeah 2002 2002 that was okay. i thought it was a little later yeah yeah holy cow yeah um, well, it's funny, you know, as, as I was thinking about it, because there was a time where you toured so much, 
it seemed like I'd see every year, but I was thinking about it. It's really actually has been quite a few years since I think you've been to Michigan. Yes, we, yeah, we, we haven't been up there in a while. Well, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully someday we can Mm. resume activity. So that's, so that's, that's a question we've been asking everybody actually. So, I mean, are you even daring to start booking stuff yet? Or are you just totally in a wait and see? I mean, are you looking at the fall? Are you looking at late summer? I know you were, we were supposed to see you down in Logansport with our pal Matt uh, at the end of March. Oh, yeah, that's right, Indiana, yeah. That's amazing because that's when everything started falling apart because it was literally like, oh, it's not canceled yet, it's not canceled yet, we're hanging in there. And then they were talking about moving it to a different venue and they were hanging Mm. in there. And and, uh, and anyway, the whole thing got torpedoed, but... Um, so are you, are you doing anything right now or are you just kind of hanging tight and seeing what happens? No, we've got a tour booked at the end of August into September with the Dickies and us out West. So, you know, well, that right doesn't do us any good when are you come back to the Midwest. Yeah. Come, come to Chicago. As soon as it opens up, we're ready to start touring. I mean, the last four or five years we've done over 120 shows each year. Have you done, so, have you really done that? Man, it yeah. doesn't seem like it's been that many. Yeah, we just, I don't know how we've been playing so much, but we had four or five years where it was just like crazy. And that's why I didn't rush into doing another album, because I was like, we have so many songs now we can't play that I didn't want to rush into it. But a true story, though, I sat down here in the studio about two months or so ago, and I haven't been writing songs in a few years. I just bits and pieces, but we've just been playing live. So I sat down and I was like, I don't have one fucking song that I could say I've written. I don't have anything. And I said, I said a silent prayer. I was sitting right here and I said, Joey, if you're up there, brothers, throw me a bone because <laughs> I have got nothing. And I don't know if I can write songs again. And then the next thing I know, I always kind of pretended Joey had asked me to work on songs for a solo album. And so I kind of approached it like that. And I go, is this a song Joey could do and, and all that? And I, it, it sounds corny, I know, but yet I always had this feeling he was on my shoulder and I, I was kind of using him like, would Joey think this was good or not? And, and he was always told me, be your own worst critic. You don't need to read the New York Times to know if you've got a good album or not. And so be your own worst critic. So I kind of did that. And I'll tell you, this album's going to be a kick-ass classic. I know it is. So uh, that was how I approached it because... I didn't know if I could write anything, if I could even have one good song, and I think it's going to be as good as love songs and don't back down. Wow. wow. High praise. Praying to Joey Ramone. You never even thought of that, did you, Neil? Uh, <laughs> no, but the one gonna, who did that I'm going to pray who, to Joey that touring resumes and that there's not social distancing and that we can all mash up against each other again. I bet, I bet, I bet you would like that, you old, you old pervert. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who, who did that song, What Would Joey Do? Was that the Riverdales or somebody? Shit. Oh, I don't even know. I heard that, but I I didn't pay much attention to it. It was actually good. It was actually a decent song. Hold on. Uh-huh. I'll find I'll find that somewhere. Hold on. There you go. Talk amongst yourselves. Man, yeah. I, I, I it's it's funny. He's been Joe's been so open and, and honest about everything. I'm trying. I should have written down some questions, but that's not typically our way. We just sort of roll through this. Yeah. And that's why, yeah. like, you don't have to be promoting something to come talk to us. We're just gonna shoot the yeah. Shoot we're just the shooting shit the shit. You, well, actually, I I, 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 um, it was the Huntington's. Huntington's. What oh, okay, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So, how come you moved down to Atlanta? What was the deal there? Um, I had gotten out of rehab. And 
was going out with my now wife, Mimi, and she, I, I didn't want to go back to New Hampshire where I'd been using. And so we did, I got out of rehab, flew to Brazil with a, for a tour with GBH and then just came, kind of ended up here with my girlfriend. And then, you know, I've been here 14, 15 years. So that's, I didn't wake up one day saying, gee, I want to move to Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> It do you just, like the dirty South, or do you miss the miss the New England? I I miss New England somewhat, but the, the older I get, the weather down here. Yeah, I mean, what the, nice. they they'll bitch about winter is like, are you kidding me? This is a friggin' nice day in May for me. Yeah. you know. So <laughs> uh, this summer, this winter, I don't think I even saw one snowflake. Maybe literally one. I didn't. So it's you should, go to a, you should go to a punk show, Joe. There's snowflakes all over the place. Oh, I like it. Nice job. <laughs> I see what you did. Yeah, that was good. Sorry. Keep Couldn't sure. resist that one. I, I, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so I just ended up here. That's home for me now. I like it. The weather's Dude, nice. That's a weird so. city. I, I used to go down there two or three times a year and um, mm. come in from Chicago. So I would go down there for Falcons games. And, um, oh, yeah. And I'd be come in from chicago i'd be like well i'll get a hotel in the middle of downtown and we'll hang out on saturday night and stuff i didn't realize nothing happens downtown atlanta no. on a saturday night it's like a fucking ghost town right atlanta i was just thinking this today to me it's not they try to act like there's some mecca like chicago or san fran or los angeles or new york but or boston but we're really just a big big town we're not a city it's it doesn't yeah, you can't go to downtown Atlanta and go wandering around like in San Antonio on the Riverwalk and shit. Right. <laughs> it's just so it, it is kind of weird, and they have a chip on their shoulder trying to act like we're some big mecca, but we're really not. But it's pretty user friendly as far as I, I'm glad I don't have to deal with like Chicago traffic or whatever. They'll bitch about Atlanta traffic, but I can tell I can mention ten cities where traffic you only wish that you had traffic like ours. So um, it's pretty user friendly, uh, but anyway, I've grown to like it a lot, surprisingly, because I'm a New Englander. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the weather, nice weather, would be nice, as you know. Like I said, Neil's up by Chicago. I'm up in Grand Rapids area, man. We, uh, you know, we get very little nice weather. So God, it's so yeah, freaking it's so freaking humid though in the summer. When you can't leave your house, when you're not supposed to leave your house, it sure is nice if you can, you know, utilize the outside and whatnot. So. Oh, it's it's full on. It was a little cool this week, but it's full on summer here. I mean, we're we're. I was out mowing my lawn today. I mean, I've been mowing my lawn for about six weeks now. So it's it's kind of, it's yeah, it's it's nice. I can roll with the nice weather. So, so Neil, I think we had one more song, didn't we? We did. We had my favorite, which is "Don't Back Down." Don't back down. Great, Brian Wilson. Down. So, so I'll tell you what. Let's play. Let's play that song, and then we will come back and say our adioses and uh, let let Joe get back to his life and. Uh, I'm going to start drinking gin and tonics, I think. Well, you could drink you it go. while we're doing the show. It could get even funner. Well, but, I can't. Uh... If I drink during the show, then I had to pee. <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> and you're the youngest one of us. You're the youngster, dude. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the oldest guy at every show I go to, too. How is that? Yeah, I'm not Damn. quite sure. You're on the wrong All shows. Right. So let's let's do it. <laughs> Don't back to great song. Okay. Don't back down, queers. The
go. Don't back down by the queers. All right. uh, my favorite, so, very Beach Boysy. You'll have got from yes. that. Well, yeah. that that is a Brian. That's a Brian Wilson song, or no? That is, isn't it? Yeah, that's Beach Boys song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's, 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 that's why it's Beach yeah, Boysy then. Yeah, I guess say, that Neil, would... it's, it's it's the reason why it's, it's like that. Well, and it's it because there's been a couple of because I always felt like the Monkey Brain album was sort of a, a I mean it had a song on it called Brian Wilson, of course, but I always mm-hmm. felt like that kind of that album especially you went out of your way to have definitely a, a strong Beach Boys vibe. Oh yeah, I I think uh, that song. I think she's starting to like me. I thought that was a song the Beach Boys could have recorded. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the way that. Yeah, yeah, that was a good song. If I do say so myself, I I was like, damn man, I wish the Beach Boys. I looked at that album and I I would always look at the song titles and I envisioned it. I said, what would be a good song title on the back of Pet Sounds? And then I thought, I think she's starting to like me. And I said, you know, that could have fit. That's that song could have fit right on Pet Sounds. I'm flattering myself, but I, I think it's a it's, damn good song. It is. It is a damn good song, but it's always weird, especially you know your albums. You got you got the juxtaposition between the the sweet innocent love song, and then you got a song like Motherfucker, where you're talking about how you're going to tuck the kids in and go bang mom. Oh, that so, was uh, Ben 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 wrote that one. Ben Weasel. Yeah, that so. was so funny. I was I was listening to yeah. that to that at work today, and I was just I was I was, I was laughing. It's so funny. Wasn't well, isn't isn't, yeah. there a, isn't there a Meat Men song about that too? Um, probably pick me up a yeah, grease too and but, it, uh, but it's it's I sin for a living I sin for a living I, yeah oh I sin for a living yeah well because yeah. I think I, I I think in the next couple of weeks we're gonna have your buddy Andy Vandal on you from the Riptides oh yeah yeah I just and, uh, just emailed his brother Bob Bob Goblin yep. today I don't know Bob I only know Andy but it's it's funny because he's the same thing and now he's working on some. Well, I don't really want to talk about what he's getting at, but he's the same thing. He writes these cute love songs, and then he's got a song about, you know, banging some chick working at Tim Horton. So it's, <laughs> yeah, a, nice, uh, it's a great juxtaposition, right? They're great songwriters, Bob. They're, yeah. they're twins, Andy and Bob. Yep, and yep. Um, so we're doing a song that Bob, Bob Goblin, I call him Boblin, he wrote, and we changed the title, and Lisa Marr wrote the lyrics. It's on the new album. I'll mention the title okay. and all that shit after we're off. But, um, sure. So anyway, that's our Riptides connection. We've been friends with them for years and years. I know. They're, I know you were band. trying to get a you were trying to get a tour together and a midwest trying to get some touring going in the Midwest. And I was and I, I just I don't know what happened, but that's it's complicated. Foreign touring is going to be even more complicated going yeah. forward. Like all the great English bands are going to probably be we're probably not going to be able to see them much. And and I don't know about Canada, but all right. So what you got? You got any parting thoughts for us, Joe? You've been I, I, your your honesty has been refreshing in this day and age where everybody's worrying about their image all the time yeah i'm a little too long in the tooth to start worrying about my image <laughs> I mean, well you know it's funny because listen the people who people who don't like you are still going to not like you you know what i mean it's like why why i get i get it why capitulate and why kiss ass to these crowd you know the crowds who don't like you because they're not going to buy your records they're not going to go to your shows anyway well you know there's no yeah. point when, when that guy called me a racist on, uh, you know, the Asian men should drop the queers and blah, blah. It was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Somebody, some label guy wrote a letter. Yeah. It was, and it was it you was, guys and the dwarves, I believe, were mentioned. Oh, we need to get rid of these. Weasel. Uh, I wasn't smart enough to go get. That's malicious slandering. It's like one thing you don't like my band, but you're trying to fucking, root, you know, get my get me fired yeah. from my job. And so I, I wish he'd do it now. I'm just waiting for him to say something because I've, I've already talked to lawyers and I've got the money to do it too. But uh, <laughs> it's malicious slandering. You, I yeah. win hands down on that thing. I talked to a few lawyers about it. And um, so anyway, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, 
I lost my train of thought, but um, yeah, I, I like the punk. Playing his guitar, I can hear it. You're playing your guitar. Yeah, I got my electric unplugged. I can hear it. My wife is very familiar with that sound. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my '73 hardtail Fender Strat. I'm playing. Nice. But the new album. That's what I was going to say. The new album. Yeah, yeah. Is a lot Parting thoughts. Really, really cool pop tune. Some of the best ones we've done. The one that Bob wrote the idea for it kind of you know arranged it and then lisa mar wrote the lyrics that came out really good mm. and um and then we've got some real in your face wimpy style fast ones and uh so it's going to be kind of the same thing like love songs i can't stand you and then it goes into deborah jean and stuff like that yeah. i was kind of like that the hard-ons from australia they, they got those punky tunes and then beautiful pop tunes too so mm. i kind of get a kick out of that so it is it is funny and i always you know it's it's because i think ultimately everybody's like oh you know people who don't listen to punk rock like oh punk rock punk rock anybody can do that but i'm like you know you listen to a joe king song you listen to a dave parasite song you listen to uh you know a mr dr frank song these guys could have written traditional pop songs if they wanted to you know they're just they're they're just dirty old men yeah, we have a really, really wimpy one. I'll tell you the title later. But um, it, it's really, really 60s. And I go, you know what? This could have been in the radio back in 65, I think. I really believe that. And um, so it's kind of a challenge to take the – it's really – I'm going to have the wimpiest song, poppy song that could have been on this radio in 66 and then have our hardest song come up next or vice versa. So – but, yeah, it's harder to write a good – pop song i think than a punk tune for me it just oh, takes definitely. more thought so it's a lot of fun doing that stuff and and as opposed to the last album i'm able to take time and, and come in here and listen to the song and go oh shit i got a back vocal part for this so i've really been able to flesh out all the songs because i you know uh, back to the basement most of our albums we recorded in six or seven days and then that was it they're done and yeah. and you couldn't add stuff to it but now in this album i'm able to so um, it's been really good, but I, I think this album's going to be as good as Love Songs and Don't Back Down. I really do. That's awesome. I, I, I cannot wait to hear it. So Yeah, I wish we had a mix right now, but let's, no. let's, let's keep in touch here in a couple of months. Yeah, definitely. I definitely, I want, I want to hear, I want to hear it when it's done. I don't want to hear the, you know what I mean? I, I don't want to hear the, uh, in progress stuff, even though I'm sure. can't, I can't wait to, you know, push stop yep. on the record so I can hear the names of some of these songs. But anyway, Joe, we, hey, we want to thank you for coming on. Let me, let me give our plug real quick here. Uh, of course you can find queers queers are on all the social medias and all that stuff you can find them joe might put something inflammatory to piss you off and enjoy <laughs> that so do it. go check it out amazing we are at we are at punk till i die podcast on facebook and punk till i die 77 at gmail.com so you can get a hold of us and yell at us because i'm sure some of you will yell at us for having joe on but you know what you can piss up a rope yeah exactly <laughs> fuck you so <laughs> anyway thank hey, you but, fuck you is jim yeah jim exactly, exactly. But hey, we appreciate you coming on, man. I, I, I got to tell you, it's been so much fun for me to be able to talk to, uh, you know, guys like yourself and B.A. and Dave Parasite and some of the guys that yeah. I, I've been, you know, I just love so much. And and I still love, honestly, I'm not saying I listened to your records 20 years ago. I'm saying I've been listening to them for the last, you know, 20 something years. So it's mm. it's a, it's always it's always a good, good. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have you guys on and tell me, tell me some stories from back in the day. So, yeah, oh, thanks. Thank, thanks thank so much guys. for coming on. You bet. Yeah. Appreciate it. So, oh, thanks, man. Be well, man. I hope we can catch you down the road somewhere. Yep. Yes, I'm sure we'll be around the – you'll see us on the campus soon enough, I'm sure. I hope – hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, Joe. Take care of yourself. All right, we'll guys. See ya.
Stay free, everybody. Bye. All right. Bye.